All right. Sounds like you did it. Seems like it's working, right? Well, this is going to be probably our best episode ever because Oof. we already did a dry run. We already yep. practiced it. We rehearsed it. And now we're here to do it for real. That's that's how uh, I'm choosing yeah. to think of it. I wish I remembered all the jokes that I made. I should have listened to it before we started and, well, and prepped myself. That's the thing. So we've kind of jumped right in here. Uh, Max and I, we recorded last week. And, Good. well, we kind Good of recording. recorded last week. We had a great conversation. And I went to then edit the podcast, the bare minimum editing that I do after each of these episodes, which is basically uh, pick a start point and an end point. Uh, and I realized that I had failed us and I had only recorded one side of the podcast and it was only Max. So I guess I could have put out that episode, which would have just been you talking sometimes with long breaks of no talking while apparently that was my turn to talk. Um, that could have been the episode and maybe actually that's what I should have done. Maybe that's what we, that was what we should have done instead of doing what we're doing today, which is talking about the same stuff, but this mm -hmm. time actually recording better. it and also yeah, better. definitely better. I mean, maybe that'll be for the Patreon listeners in the future. You know, we'll put out the, the one sided podcast where you can be at home and try and play along where you try and talk Guess in the gaps that I, I leave like, you. Yeah, like yeah. Basically like figure out what I was saying back to you to get you to respond in that way. Yeah, or just have I just have some fun with it, you know. It would be like I interrupt you a lot because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you wouldn't know when I was going to start talking. But I think it puts us in that we're officially a great podcast because I feel like all great podcasts have a lost episode where something yeah. happens. It just happened on the Flophouse like a week ago. Oh, really? Yeah, like a week or two ago they had something happen. It happens, it happens every now and then to the good ones out there. So now we're well, a good one. I feel like, I feel like this is a, a turning point because I think – the first time a podcast loses an episode, it you either go one of two ways. Either that's now the end of the podcast. We've stopped now. This is the last one we've ever done. Or you really turn that corner and you really professionalize. So I think that's that's what we're doing. We're coming. We got oh, back on that horse. Um, like the farmer cowboys that we are. And uh, we're going to keep riding it. So we're professionalizing it is what you're saying. <laughs> that's what's happening here. Yeah. If we're going by, forward more professional. If, if by professionalizing it, you mean recording both sides of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's a start for sure. It's more professional. That is a good place to start, I think. Hey, well, we are going to do something a little bit different than last time. Let's do a new check-in question. People okay, will never good. know the answer to the question of which child, which movie from your childhood has left um, uh, permanent trauma on your psyche. Uh, we'll just skip that one because that's what we talked about last time. This time, Max, I want to know. What do you most wish you had in your pantry or refrigerator right now, but don't? Uh, I saw you type that in there, and I was—I'm very hungry. I just came in for my lunch from the farm, and the first thing I've been craving uh, on all these hot days, which is I've been eating a lot of popsicles and and mm. other cold things, but I'm really—I really got a hankering for those like chocolate chip cookie ice cream sandwiches. Really? You know, the thing I'd I only never really ever like those—they're too like. Ugh. They're too thick Good. and heavy, and uh, no, I'm not. I'm not into it. I uh, I like them, but I don't. Well, I'm an adult. I could technically buy them for myself. Yeah. Um, they do sell them in stores, but I'd only ever get them at, like when we were on road trips or something like that's when I would. Tr that's when I felt like I was the only time in my life where I got to eat one. Yeah. Um, but man, I mean, I like an ice cream sandwich as is, like a, a ice plain cream sandwich drain, is better know? than that for sure. Yeah. Oh, I don't think so, but that's fine. You can be. We can be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um. But I, that is what I'm craving right now, uh, sitting here. Right. Other than that, there's always an underlying craving of pizza, um, yeah. as just as me as a person. That's what but I'm always is, feeling. You don't keep you don't keep pizza in a pantry or in the refrigerator. That's like a fresh. No. thing. that wasn't the question. Yeah, no, that's true. I, you're right. I I don't have a little Caesars attached to my house. That'd be sadly. cool, though. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, what about you? What are you craving? <sighs> Probably some sort of children's cereal. Mm. A little cinnamon yeah, toast crunch, a little Cap'n Crunch, a little fruity pebbles. I don't know. I never buy any of that, but I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sad if it was sitting in my pantry right now. That's uh, that's another one of those things that actually is in our pantry now. We, we've got golden grams in there now, which I love. These oh, golden grams. Terrible man, golden grams. What? Are weird. No, you. This. Yeah, man. We're learning, maybe this is actually our most contentious. No. You're you're full on wrong. I think I like Cinnamon Life more personally. Yeah, but, Cinnamon Life is far better than Golden uh, Grams. 
Oh my goodness! I didn't expect bear? so much. No, that's uh, something yeah. else. I mean, or there's a frog. There's a bear. That's Smacks. Oh, okay. Smacks have a Smacks, Smacks have a frog. Gross. Smacks is weird and gross. <laughs> yeah, Smacks is kind of gross. Um, wow, I did not expect so much hate from my cereal of choice. We also have Frosted Flakes in the pantry. How do you feel with that? I mean, they always kind of felt like the default cereal. Okay. They're Sorry, fine. it was I mean, more I exciting. Had, I haven't had Frosted Flakes in a long time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't kick Frosted Flakes out of bed. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You can buy yourself some cereal. You're allowed. I, I guess I can. You can buy yourself some ice cream sandwiches. And I will. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes report, forget. All about it. I do sometimes forget that I can just, like, buy things that I want. Yeah. No, I know. Every time I'm at the store and I'm walking down the aisle, I'm like, well, I, I can't buy this. I mean, I mean like, one <laughs> This could, is for other those, people. These are for me. <laughs> Uh, and then every now and then I crack, and my freezer will be full of like all the best, all the best freezer goodies. Well, you just reminded me that I have not yet made my uh, ridiculous popsicle purchase of the year. I usually buy a box of one hundred of those flavor ice, you know, plastic, uh, yeah, popsicles that I throw in my freezer at the beginning of summer, and then when I finish them, usually sometime in December, that's when I consider <laughs> summer to be officially over. Yeah, it takes you that long. Usually, I mean, that's a lot of popsicles, dude. Yeah, but you're, you're, you know, you're training hard. You should bring one of those on the bike with you. I feel like when you're out, you know, doing your workouts, you should have, you should have. I should a popsicle bring a with popsicle you. with me. How? Uh, mm. And how do you expect um, that to stay frozen? Here's what you do. A lot of people, you know, with those really nice water bottles, put water in them, and it'll stay cold for a long time. You don't need yeah. that. Get that. Get the water out of there. You're gonna put three or four of those. I've just, <laughs> I just, I just saw this on like a TikTok or something. It says on share. And it was like if you're going to the beach to put a bunch of those popsicles in like a hydro flask or something, you know, hmm. fully a, a full hydro flask will fit them. And then you've got yeah popsicles on the road. And I think that's, that's what you should idea. when you're biking. I think people should see you open a water bottle, pull put a, a popsicle, popsicle, and just rip right into that thing. Well, um, I did just as you were speaking, go on to Amazon and order my annual box of popsicles. So I'm excited yep. for those to arrive. Some people follow the solstice, you know, they're like, ah, the summer solstice, first day of summer, officially June 22nd. Not you, not Sam. Nope. It is when your body tells you to get popsicles. It's when I've finished, what's my least favorite flavor of these? It's basically when I've finished all the remaining green ones uh, that I've left for myself at the very end of this box of of popsicles. That's how I know. What goes actually, first? Green ones are pretty good. I actually I like all of them. I'll just grab whatever and, and eat them so that I don't have the situation where I leave myself my least favorite at the end. There's not one you grab. And you're like, Ugh, and you put it back. Like maybe I not. Mean, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. I like them all, man. They're all, they're all good. Um. Well, it's officially summer. Everybody you heard it here first. <laughs> right. Sam is Sam. June 29th. <laughs> the the start of the traditional start of summer. Max. We have a lot of ground to cover. It's been over a month yeah. since we've pu- successfully recorded and published an episode. We've just uh, to hit a couple of things way you know quickly up front, and then we'll dive into each of these. You cut yourself. Your CSA is up and running. I got married. I did another triathlon. I hurt my foot. We got like a lot to go. This might be like a three-hour episode, except it can't be because this is the middle of my day and I have to go back to work. And I imagine yeah, you do too. too. So I we're going to keep I it do, sadly. relatively tight. Like I said, we already rehearsed this, so we should be pretty good. You should have your script in front of you and uh, we'll yeah. just, you know, fly through it. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do your stuff. The bottom let's this. do your let's stuff first. What's, uh, hey, what's going on at the farm? What's going on at the farm? Did you birth any more cows? Uh, cow birthing is over. I think it's actually, I don't, I don't know what to properly call this because it sounds gross i think it's at the start of that process again i think a bull was just picked up last weekend to be uh, introduced to all the cows again so um I should, for next year's I just, season, so. I just pictured uh you having to go out on the farm like holding this bull's hand somehow and like he's being awkward and you're going walking up introducing uh, him introducing him to <laughs> each of the cows saying hey this is you know this is leonard um, he's going to be hanging out here with you guys and trying for, to like for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, trying to like just ease that. Uh, you know, basically you're a bullpen. A bullpen, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I don't have to luckily be involved in that process, um, but I imagine that's exactly how it goes. Um, yep. I don't know much about about livestock, but I think that's right. Okay, so uh, cows so are the fine. Cows are good. Cows what are, are chickens. Fine. 
chickens are alive and well, no deaths since last time we talked, which is good because remember there, there was kind of a constant stream of peril. Yeah, you were, um, the were you were murdering some chickens left and right. Um, only one of them was at our own at the hands of me. Uh, the rest was nature, um, but part of nature. they are finally. I guess that's true. They uh, they're finally at um, a nice resting point, which is to say we have the same number we've had for the past month. Uh, they're over on some. They're over on pasture. Finally, they're no longer uh, in their little pen in front of the tiny so house. So, when you say they're in pasture, um, like that whole huge area across the street is open to chickens, or they you've just moved like their fence into that area. We did set up uh, electric fence to try and give them a little bit of protection. It's not actually powered by. It's mostly just to try and keep the chickens kind of reined in, um, and it works more or less for the most part. You know, I don't. We learned as I tried to keep the chickens into their current pen with electric fence that uh, they seem to be immune. That is one of their superpowers, is that electric does not harm them. Uh, so, huh. uh, you have like super on, chickens. On, yeah, I think it's a little bit of an insulating factor on the feathers where it doesn't actually connect to much, um, or the way that they were touching them. I think on the the pen that I was trying to electrify, they weren't grounded per se with where they were standing on the top of the wooden fence, touching electric fence. I don't know. It did not affect them. So they are just kind of loosely hemmed in in that pasture. But they have Hend a ton of in. space. <laughs> Good. That was that wasn't a rehearsed joke either. That was whole. That was a new one. <laughs> That's right. It's fresh, baby. <laughs> uh, that was Sam didn't practice that one. Um. So they're 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 very happy over there. They have like actual shade and uh, grass and bugs and things to eat. So uh, they feel a little bit less like a part of the farm right now because I'm not having to like drive past them every you know. Uh, right. Right. Go out there and do as much for them, but they are much happier with where they're at. Do you still have to um, put them in their like roosting area and like close the door and stuff. Yeah, my my neighbor's letting them out every morning, which is nice. Um, but every gotcha. night I go I go and close them up. Um, so still have that routine of going over there um, and picking up the four that are trying to sleep outside and put them inside. And <laughs> really, deal with, they don't want to go yeah. back in. I feel like you didn't have to deal they with like, that before. They like to roost if it's warm out at night. They like to try and sleep on the the handle to their little like cart thing. Uh-huh. And so there's usually about four of them out there, and so every night. Um, they're usually kind of already like in a little bit of a stupor and a little sleepy. And so I just kind of pick them up. And, and you can't uh, leave them out there because of what, like foxes and stuff? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the basic concern is you want to get them at least into the hutch where you can keep the door closed and, and hope that, I mean, I think anything that had a chicken hankering, you know, like a strong enough chicken hankering could probably get in there. This thing is not like, you know, padlocked or anything. It's a couple um, little bars that we slide over to keep the door shut. But I think it's enough to deter um, whatever right. we have out here that would eat a chicken, which is to say most things. Um, so I do. I feel like I feel like the one time I don't do it, they'll just be all torn to shreds, Probably. and I feel terrible. So it's a routine that we continue to to keep uh, up with. And so, but no, they're good. Chickens are happy. They were laying kind of low numbers, like quantity of eggs for a while. Um, I think they were just really basking in their new location and forgot their egg duties, and yeah, they're, they're, they're finally. To. Yeah. Yep. We did a sit down. We did like a little bit of a, a sit in a circle. We all talked about it and they're laying eggs much better now, which is good because they're the one thing that we bring to market that everyone always seems to ask about. And half the time we don't have enough to kind of satisfy the, the quantity that people want. So right. we could become more of an egg farm, but I also kind of hate dealing with chickens. So um, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to make the decision to like actually uh, double down and become more of a chicken or more of an egg laying uh, farm. Right. But also, the, the money is just not there in that. Um, people really? don't want to pay how much. Oh, yeah. You can charge. We charge $6 a dozen. And people still sometimes think that's high. But with the organic feed and everything else and labor and everything they get, it's not. I think the eggs should be probably all the, double all the, the head, price. All the head chopping that you have to do. The head chopping. No one ever puts a, 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 val, you know, yeah. a dollar amount on that. But <laughs> the psychological damage lot. is priceless yeah. that you had to uh, endure. I mean, I think there's a, there's a photographer guy out there, Noah Kalina, and he talks about his chickens all the time. He loves to share. Yeah, he has, he has amazing some very handsome chickens. He has some very handsome chickens. And he one time, he wrote a, put a whole coffee table book together that are pictures of his very handsome chickens and his rooster. But in there, he talks about the price of an egg, and he always jokes that his eggs are $20 an egg because <laughs> right. he breaks down the money on what, what it costs for him to have these chickens. And yeah. I think one of them is kind of like psychological this damage that they cost him and that is kind of accurate so i don't think we'll be we'll be getting into that market anytime soon 
Speaking um, of farmers markets, you all are in a new location this year, right? Well, I mean, we're still doing the Kingston Springs farmers market look like oh, okay. that That's happened the throughout I the summer. You helped me with that one. It's um, it's in a different spot in downtown Kingston Springs, which is to say, no longer in a, in a parking lot and kind of like right. in a little bit of a grassy park, which is nice. We have a much bigger area to set up, and um, it's a big improvement from from last year's location, uh, which is nice. But then we've we're dabbling in some other markets. Um, we don't really do a Nashville farmer's market, uh, last year, we pretty much just did the one in Kingston Springs and we decided that it might be worth trying to, to dip our toes into something bigger. So last Tuesday, about a week ago was our first, um, time at the 12 South farmer's market, which is, uh, in a neighborhood just outside of Nashville and much bigger. And you're talking closer this to like the, this is like the big time. If, if Kingston Springs it's, is like the ECHL, is this like the AHL, the NHL? It's probably like... I mean, in, in the world of, of, it's probably the AHL. There's a couple okay. farmer's markets that say are a little bit bigger. This one probably has almost 100 vendors, maybe. Wow. Maybe a little bit less. So how it's, does it feel to roll up done. to this uh, larger um, farmer's market as the new guy? Uh, I mean, you know, no one shot us any weird looks or anything. But personally, I mean, I carry plenty of anxiety when I've fought farmer's well, markets. Of course, and you're spurling. Yeah, and the outward appearance of our farm and things like that. And this, you know, Kingston Springs Farmer Market, there's two farms. There's us and the other Kingston Springs farm, Harpeth Moon, and we're friends with them. You know, we're not worried about stealing each other's competition. Like, people have, go to both of our stands. It's not a big deal. Well, 12 South, there's probably eight farms at least set up there to varying degrees, eight to ten. Um, you know, there's people selling all different types of other made goods. It's not just, you know, farms, but it's a big deal and there's so many choices on where to farm and where to get your stuff. And, you know, we more or less all carry similar things just based on the seasons. So um, just trying to set yourself apart or, you know, try to decide why would someone ever choose our stand over somebody else's. And then I'm why does someone choose at, your stand? I mean, sometimes it's price. Oh. Kira likes to pretend that, yeah, if I'm behind the stand as a handsome farmer, a handsome young farmer that helps, um, but I really, I mean, I think sometimes it's just who runs out of stuff or right. seeing that we're certified naturally grown versus maybe a farm that's conventional, but there's not that many conventional farms that go to these. And, you know, sometimes I think it's just how busy is your stand? Can they get in to get a bunch of kale and not have to worry about the long line somewhere else? Like, right. you know, I know we did less sales than obviously some of the other farms that were there, but it was a good market still. I think we still did decently well. Um, it was also the peach festival, which meant there were just more people than normal. Um, you have any which peaches to sell? You any peaches, right? No, no, we didn't. I mean, there's only uh, there's a. This, have you ever looked up the peach truck? Do you know what the peach truck is? No. They're pretty well known now. They're a, a company that literally started as like an old vintage truck that would sell peaches at farmers markets, kind of farther north from Georgia. Like they would take peaches at peak flavor and take them to some other places when farmers weren't doing it. And whatever system they worked out with farmers and stuff has been incredibly successful and really good branding that they do like a peach truck truck tour and stuff throughout the South and using a semi now, like multiple semis. And it's a very big deal. It's like basically to get like incredibly fresh peaches, but from Georgia um, in other other locations. So they're like the main sponsor of this peach festival thing. Dude, I, I, um, that, that sounds cool. I listened to like 60% of that because I got the image of a giant peach, like from James and the giant peach, but it was also a, a truck in my head. Yeah. Um, and that's what I spent most of my time thinking about while you were talking there. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's, it's that's also, probably more enjoyable. It's also because <laughs> on Monday I saw the Wienermobile just waiting to make a left turn out by my apartment. Really? Do you have like an actual idea where it was going to and from? Authentic, I have no idea. Not a knockoff. I have no idea where it was going. I mean, I don't. I mean, I assume it was a capital. It was a giant truck that looked like a hot dog. Yeah, not a lot of those going around, are there? No. Wow, it was they... very. It was a not to sidetrack your story, but I. I was, it was a very um, intense emotional experience for me because I was coming out of urgent care with a very painful foot, which I'll probably talk more about. And Emily was driving me home. And I was like in a lot of pain, uh, but then I saw the Wienermobile and I got so excited and happy, uh, but I only saw it yeah. for a split second as we were driving by and Emily didn't see it and she doesn't know what the Wienermobile is. So when I just said the word Wienermobile, it didn't mean anything to her. So then I was trying to describe what the Wienermobile yeah. is and it sounded like I was high as hell. Yeah. Do you think it was even actually there? It, it absolutely was there. All right. All right. Okay. You know. 
Yeah, sometimes God sends little little messages for you. Sam. You saw the yeah. Wienermobile when you need it when you needed it the most, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what, it sounds like that, that's what that I don't know was. what the message is that uh, what was being sent, but uh, it doesn't matter because it worked. That's Whatever right. it was, it, it brought you up at a time yeah. when you were down. Um, All right, so you're talking about markets. Markets are going well. Yeah. Are you gonna keep doing the Nashville one? Uh, we're gonna do like every other week. So we're off. We were off this Tuesday. We're gonna do next Tuesday and try kind of mixing it in. Um, okay. because cool. we're kind of shifting We're one of our wholesale accounts is kind of dropped off, um, on our side. That was our fault. Um, I just wasn't able to keep up with the numbers that they wanted and the heat and the crazy weather we've had has made it a little bit more difficult to, to right. continue to satisfy kind of what their order was weekly. So, um, and they were taking kind of a small sliver of like certain crops, but in large numbers, well, we have a, a large diversity of crops and they weren't taking some of it. So. Um, we're switching to hopefully mix in this market to kind of pick up that, that slack. Um, and I think it, it should hopefully kind of do what we need. And, um, if anything, our goal is to really just like let people know that we exist and whether that's, Mm -hmm. they want to start, you know, using us as a online ordering option to do, you know, on Tuesdays, we deliver our produce and people do online orders to, to two different spots or to the farm and to a spot in Nashville. And we're trying to just get to more people because Kingston Springs is a small community and um, you know, we're so close to a large city that I don't think a lot of people realize that there is us existing as a farm. So mm-hmm. we're hoping to make some, some decent connections, whether that's with chefs or different nonprofits and things like that. So we'll see. I mean, the first week, it was a lot of fun. We met a ton of people. It was nice to just um, sell to a different crowd and, and kind of see what, I don't know what else is out there in terms of markets and what a market experience is like because it's very different from the the Kingston Springs one. You know that's like a small community affair, and, and people come to this other one like intending to shop. You can buy just about everything you would need for your pantry for a week, pretty much at times. Right. You know, here at this market. So, that's cool. um, didn't you bring yeah, some I'm bread sure was, to this one too? I did. I, I baked some of my own sourdough bread and brought what's it. What's a sourdough um, loaf? What's a max loaf go for nowadays? Uh, Seven dollars. Hmm. Do you sell them? So. I did. I sold all four. Uh, wow. I would do more if I once had a little bit more time to, to get them all together. Even just getting four loaves ready the night before to bake the next day was kind of, I was literally running inside and like putting the bread in the oven, going out and like harvesting for 30 minutes or 20 minutes, coming in, taking the lid off, going back out of the Dutch oven, like going back out and picking again. And so I was like, I'm trying to, to make bread while yeah. farming was maybe not, and for $28, probably not worth it, but it just made the stand I don't know, a little bit more interesting. And yeah. I thought, why not? Um, so, you know, there's going to be, we're tomorrow starting our journey into working with a chef to start making, um, ready-made products on the farm. So we have oh. a commercial kitchen over at the barn and a chef That's we've cool. worked with before. Kira has been kind of manning the, the collaboration with the chef to, to start. So tomorrow what we're going to hopefully, stuff? yeah, tomorrow's is going to be, we have a bunch of garlic scapes left over from that harvest. Better uh, get them for the right away. To, I can't remember if you made that joke before either, but I don't <laughs> think I have the felt yeah. fresh. It felt good. It felt good. Did it feel good or did it just feel fresh? No, it felt it felt it felt good and fresh. <laughs> as all as all good jokes should. Um, they're gonna make they're gonna make like a sandwich spread, like a pesto, almost a bit thicker, I think, for putting on sandwiches. The garlic mm. scapes. There's some type of. Uh, he sent me a list a while back. Somebody can use the fennel and some kohlrabi to make like a, a, a slaw and different krauts and stuff like that. So it's gonna be these the ideas. Since we now have this commercial kitchen, we can start. Um, using a lot of the stuff that's either going bad or has some defects to it that make it hard to sell as just individual produce or just things people don't want. I can't sell fennel right now, it seems like, and I can't sell kohlrabi very well uh, or collard greens. And so he's kind of brought thought of some recipes that can use those things. Um, right. And people are way more likely to buy pickled okra versus fresh okra. Or hmm. we have way too much okra, so pickling half of it is, is a good investment for being right. able to market up. So. I'm hoping that'll really set our stand apart at this market if we start going um, and we have some of this stuff, if we can have a whole table of just like ready-made stuff like that. Is, um, is there any sort of like certification or anything that you need to get to be able to sell prepared foods? Yeah, I would have to double check with Kira what the whole thing was. A lot of the times you do, if it's in grocery stores and things like that, you definitely need to, you, you like the, uh, food safety or somebody comes and looks at the space that you're preparing in to kind of make sure it can meet all the sanitary requirements for, you know, stainless steel surfaces and things like that, that you can keep clean. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the ruling is if you're selling at farmer's markets or 
to friends and things like that. There's a lot of like, there's a varying levels of, of um, certification that you need. Um, so I've kind of been outside that process, but I think there's definitely something that you would have to get. And that's kind of why they made the commercial kitchen um, like the way they did and, and the way they designed it. So we shouldn't have any problem if that is necessary, um, but that's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to it just to kind of get an idea of uh, what is the return on spending time and using extra produce for a thing like this. Um, because every farm has it, you know, and, um, if I see that this is successful here in my future farm operations, maybe I can try and prioritize right. doing something similar. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully some, some West Glow products. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's beginning tomorrow as well. Um, cool. what else are we missing from the, well, the recap? Well, last time you were talking about how you were feeling super behind and needing a reset at, and I think this was mostly... You know, you took a couple of days off to come to my wedding. The weather has been difficult to get a lot of farming done. Maybe just walk us through what that was and whether anything has kind of improved since then. Yeah, I think, and this may kind of butt right into the whole, the injury as well was the start of it all. Oh yeah, and um, the injury too. Yep, yep, yep. So between cutting oh, my I finger. I'm sad I have to hear the story again. I'll make this mute, <laughs> we'll you make- mute you until you're done. I'll make it quicker this time, but uh, just in general for being behind, and I'll come back to the finger thing or I can get out of the way either one. But, um, you know, hurting my finger was kind of the beginning of me not being able to farm for about a week. And then um, that kind of coincided with the wedding and then coming back to really hot weather. And then there were some camps and some other things on the farm. There was just a lot going on that seemed to be like taking away potential farm time. And what happened was essentially there was plenty of stuff planted in the ground and that thing, that stuff has been maturing and that stuff has been harvested and we're going to two markets and we have all these wholesale accounts. Well, I was just slowly watching as like beds that should have been replanted or flipped or seeds that should be started in the greenhouse weren't being prioritized because where you make your money is harvesting. It's not on necessarily, you know, planting is definitely part of it because you harvest that stuff someday. But if you have to prioritize in a, in a day, what are you going to do? Well, if you need to harvest and make money, that's what you're going to, you're, what you're going to do first. That's what I was doing. And um, it just got to a point where crops that should have gotten nice and big and been harvestable died from extreme heat or things like that, or didn't do as well. Um, things were dying in the greenhouse because it was so warm and um, pests got really bad because of the heat. So, you know, a crop that had been beautiful had turned kind of gross and, and terrible and had to be ripped out. And there was a lot of just loss happening and not, um, essentially be able to like we weren't replanting as fast uh, or filling that gap and we finally about last week i feel like fell face first into it finally which was having to drop that wholesale account um which was a consistent you know 400 a week of produce going to them right. that we have had to kind of skip now we're going to try and skip for about a month um as we recover and i feel pretty good i feel about you know i spent an entire morning walking around with the flail mower which is an incredibly satisfying implement to use it's just this really intense mower that uses chains that like really mash stuff up better to break it down versus uh-huh. using blades and just mowed down all the, all the beds and things that had gotten out of hand. So beds that were lost to weeds, beds that have been done for a while, but I haven't been able to flip. I just mowed down all those beds and um, that was the start. And then kind of coming back a day or two later, if the heat had broken it down some and tilled all those beds in. And just this week I've kind of been finally getting some replanting happening and, um, things have been neglected a long time are, are finally in the ground and, and more seeds have been started. So, um, this, this two week period's a little, I feel like a little sparse. Um, but the good news is we've been able to satisfy the CSA still and still bring stuff to market. We still have some wholesale accounts that we're, that we're working with, um, and still able to do so. And we're so close to having the okra and peppers and tomatoes and, uh, eggplant, all those things coming in because the heat has helped so much with them mm-hmm. um, that they're growing way faster and they are benefiting from this. So I think we're just about out of hopefully the the two, three week doldrum that I felt like we were kind of in. Um, I mean, there will continue to be lots of beds that need to be replanted and weeded and, and maintained, but uh, I feel every day I feel a little better about it than I did the day before. And for a while there, That's that was good. not the case because that was essentially going to bed every night thinking of, oh my gosh, the to-do list Feeling is just further massive. behind. <laughs> yeah and just seeing thing weeds get out of hand and knowing like i need to do this i need to do this and and one of those things that always happens is um you plant all the peppers and things like this tomatoes and 
they, they look small, they look small and you keep forgetting about them. And then there comes a day where you look back and you go, man, I really should have trellised those. I should have propped them up, done something. Now they're unmanageable. Now I'm going to break the plants a ton, trying to get some twine around them to lift them off the ground. So that when the time comes to harvest, I can actually find what I'm looking for. Um, and this year I was not going to let that happen to myself again, even through all the busyness. So, you know, this field that's closest to my house is it's the tiny house is that field. And I have it in a way that is very nice to look at. And I'm very happy with how it looks. And like, I've done that, that pre-work that sometimes falls about, you know, to the wayside. Um, and those crops are important because that is what we pick for July, August, and September. I mean, when you were here, you know, that, that okra field and all those right. things, like that's what we were in, you know, not counting the peppers that got mysteriously murdered. But um, for the most part this year, I'm feeling a lot better about those crops and those can be huge money makers. So I'm hoping anything that we're essentially losing out on right now, um, I can hopefully make up for in July and August from yeah. the few crops that that have benefited from my attention. Um, so we'll see. It's getting it's getting better. I think um, the weather also like chilled out a little bit, which was a relief. Um, we're not pushing over 100 degrees like we were for two weeks there. I can't right. say it's rained in maybe three weeks, but um, you've got good should be real though, right? real nice. Yeah, it's just having to run 24-7. I mean, it feels like right. we're constantly watering and having to cycle, you know, what's getting the water, what's getting prioritized. And no matter how much you irrigate, it's never as efficient as just if the farm will get rain. Um, right. When it all gets rain, it just feels like it resets the clock and, like, I can rework an irrigation schedule again. Um, right. right now, I feel like I'm, like, turning this field on and running inside and, like, I'm going to change it in the middle, you know, right before bed or something like that, turn it off at first thing in the morning, turn it back on or um just things like that so it would be great if it rained but you know you can't you can't have it all um (laughs) you cannot so you alluded to an injury what happened there yeah we'll do it we'll do a brief a brief synopsis this time we don't have to go through i think last time it was like 20 minutes of the episode i uh (laughs) over a month ago now um i think yeah about mid-may i was just out harvesting one morning with a brand new harvest knife um these little serrated boys that we use they're like a couple inches long but they're great for for harvesting produce and when they're brand new they're incredibly sharp i mean you could cut through you'd be amazed at how clean it cuts you through, cut things. through a finger. like fingers you could cut through a finger uh, that's what they advertise so sharp you could cut through a finger and i was harvesting swiss chard and part of that process is you kind of hold the bunch in your hand and all the the ends of the plants are all sticking out different lengths right you want it to look pretty so you cut it nice and smooth and it's let me and say uh it's real satisfying to do that it is very satisfying. I mean, one of my yeah. favorite things to do, especially, can I say, with a sharp knife. Yeah. When nothing gets, you know, it, it all, all one fell swoop cuts through. And I was doing that kind of quickly and was harvesting out there alone. And um, I just went too, went too far. And I was pushing basically too hard with the knife. And it didn't need that amount of strength because it was brand new. And the, the follow through, essentially, the knife went through my finger as well. So put a, a two-inch gash down my index finger. Um kind of because the way my hand was curled kind of like basically just like filleted into it versus like chopping into it which is probably better right yeah ligaments or anything i think because my finger was bent and the tendons and everything maybe were in a spot on the finger that if you had cut straight into it you would have hit them but because i kind of like basically imagined just full like did a little slice a little fillet on the side uh it didn't necessarily go as deep um finger but it was incredible yeah, it was an incredibly clean cut, um, and uh, you know, panic and chaos ensued, um, which involved me, you know, dropping everything and sprinting inside. Uh, I think I told you that you know your instinct is to like stop the bleeding with your mouth, so I kind of like had my finger up in my up in my lips, and I ran up to the house where Kira had uh, Kira just poked her head outside. Thought that you were like eating your finger or something. <laughs> yeah, Kira looked over at me, and I was you know red in the red the lips, and who knows what was happening? Probably thought I was like throwing up blood or something. And instead, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, we need to go to the, the hospital. I cut my finger and she said, well, let me see. And I kind of pulled my hand back and she saw the, the flap, as I think I stated, it was a bit of a, bit of a flap at that point. And Ugh. she agreed with my urgency, <laughs> threw a paper <laughs> towel roll at me and we wrapped it up in paper towel and I slipped on shoes and we sprinted to the car and she um, began the journey of finding out where does one go when you live in Kingston Springs, when you hurt yourself um, and you feel like you're kind of a, uh, you don't really know where the closest hospital is because it's not I one in like Springs. You should have, you should know this knowledge as a farm man. 
a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There had been multiple times now where we've talked about like, Hey, in the future, whenever we move to a new place, first thing we're doing is finding out where the closest urgent care hospital, all these things are, because those are important questions when things like this happen, you know, right. uh, animal you don't want to have to be uh, looking at Google maps uh, while actively bleeding out. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to be sending off, uh, let's say you're sitting in the passenger seat of a Subaru out back and uh, you send out some texts that to, to neighbors and people that live in Tennessee that just says something along the lines of where's the nearest hospital uh, question mark. And you just leave them kind of hanging. Please, please and you get, thank you. And, uh, and you get some, you get some panicked calls and, and honestly not that much help if I'm being honest. Kind of drop the ball. Yeah, everyone's always concern is, is, uh, you know, they want context. <laughs> you don't feel like providing context. You just kind of want the answer of this is, I need, yeah. <laughs> I need uh, They're not answer. really here to have a chat about this. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, hats off to Kira. She drove incredibly well and quick to, uh, uh, I guess during this point, I'm sitting in the passenger seat holding, you know, pressure on my hand, kind of dazed a little in and out of it. Uh, she would tell you, and she was correct that I passed out at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt comfortable. I felt like, you know, my body was saying, hey, just close those eyes. And so I did. We don't want to be around for this anymore. Yeah, this seems like it's not fun and it's kind of hurting. So uh, I passed out for luckily a short period of time. Um, I've been told it was not, I was not out long because she didn't let me be out long because she was checking on me. Um, we'll go ahead and sneak in right here, saying what happened when I passed out. You peed your pants. I did, which is super cool. <laughs> I, you know what? To... I shouldn't be making fun of you. That's your body. Your body was having a real tough time. Yeah, I, it was losing. I'll go ahead and say it. A lot of blood, yeah. and um, basically, we finally got an answer from someone that there was an urgent care. So we kind of turned around and headed towards that urgent care. And where we live, we're kind of between two highways. You can go one way towards Nashville. The other highway will take you towards some of the other towns out this way. And we chose the towns out this way versus Nashville and called the urgent care. She explained the situation to them and then let it slip that I had passed out for a second. And they said, well, we can't, we can't have him here. He's passed out. He's, he's tarnished. He's ruined. Uh, (laughs) Don't bring him here. And we thought, okay, well, we're already heading. The hospital is just past that urgent care. We'll stop in. We'll just stop in. We'll show him the situation. Hey, he's not passed out now. Look at him. Yeah, look at look at this guy. He he doesn't look good. I stumbled in there. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how. I want to go ahead and say my pants didn't look like I had really peed myself. But who's to say? Um, I'm probably not the best judge of that. Probably. And not. so I sat in a seat, and because <laughs> I was a little out of it, I was a little loopy. To me, it probably looked like no. Of course not. That's just that's just how my pants look. Yeah. And she went up to the counter and explained, "Hey, I'm the person from the phone call. That's the guy that passed out. Um, do you think you could do the stitches here?" And she started handing, like, asking us a bunch of questions, handing out uh, paperwork and clipboards and things that we did not want to mess around with because I was still very much bleeding and not okay. And they weren't being helpful. Um, she went back, talked to the nurse, and the nurse said, yeah, no, we can't take him. So we stormed our way out of an urgent care and moped our way back to the car where we sped onto an actual ER room. Um, I lost my hat in the process. I'm wearing a nice, a nice baseball hat. Uh, I thought it'd be helpful when we were driving on the two lane highway that I'd look out the window to see why the semi wasn't getting over and the air swooped my hat right off my head, took it right on down the road. Having a rough day. Um, lost my hat, my fingers bleeding, not to pee my pants, pants. <laughs> all bad things, all terrible things really. And we got to the, we got the ER and went inside, you know, and I'm feeling fine at this point. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm on the verge of passing out the, because I'm holding pressure to my finger the bleeding had kind of like, right. uh, slowed down. And we were kind of at a point where I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, well, now we're just take it as it is. We'll see how long it takes. Now I just have wet um, pants and I feel not, okay. <laughs> yeah, wet pants. I mean, like my hand and everything hurts, but it's not that bad. And I'm just sitting here and we sat in the ER probably for 30 minutes or so. This is like an hour and a half post finger cutting. And finally got kind of put in one of the fast track rooms where they didn't give me a bed or anything. I went in there and they, they stitched me up um, after asking me lots of questions and kind of some of them being pretty impressed with the cut. Like I really... It got my money's worth on for only cutting one finger. I went, you know, it was a right. pretty you good covered cut. covered a lot for, of ground. I mean, I've seen, I, I saw the, the, the stitch job and it's a long ass cut. Yeah, no, I, I, I went from base of the finger to the tip, really got the whole, the whole finger there. And, uh, so they, they poured some iodine on it. That's what almost made me cry. Boy, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, as they cleaned the cut out and then, uh, stitched me up 14 stitches later. Um, didn't cut anything too important or damaging, like, you know, didn't cut any tendons, didn't have any nerve damage. 
And so uh, left there with all my, my stitched up finger. And uh, basically within 10 days, the I had removed the stitches, um, had it all wrapped up for your wedding and everything while I was in Florida. And now we're, I can't remember this. Yeah, we're about a month ago and my finger is um, fully healed. I do have a scar. I mean, there's definitely a light, um, you know, smiley face shaped scar in my finger. Um, and it definitely still like, as it continues to heal, you know, if I try to grip something with the side of that index finger to open something, it, it hurts, you know, it feels yeah. sensitive. Um, and that might just be a forever thing. You know, I did cut pretty deep into the finger and who knows how it's the whole healing process has been under the surface, but I think all things considered, it could have been a lot worse. Um, did some one-handed farming for those seven days as Kira held down the fort and pretty much did everything that I couldn't do, which was most right. things. Um, and that kind of did begin the, the stressful period of, of trying to figure out um, how we were going to get through the, the spring. But, um, you know, that's my worst farm injury to date. Uh, it, it wasn't as bad as many things that could have happened. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy that it's right. fully healed at this point and it's over. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for brand new harvest knives um, that I guess I didn't have before, but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, I mean, I remember you had decent respect for them because when I was there, you told me, be careful. These are really freaking sharp. And then I did manage yeah. to cut myself with one. So yeah, they still do. I mean, I've told almost everyone that's ever worked with me on the farm. And I would say 80% of people have cut themselves to some extent. Well, now you have a, um, when you tell people in the future, now you have the scar to show them like, look, yeah, this is like, you know, some people have like the eye patch, you know, or something. And that's why you, yeah. and that's why you always <laughs> are careful with a harvest knife. Yeah. Um, but yep. Yeah, I mean, that was the, that was the extent of the last mo- month or two of craziness. Gotcha. Well, um, then, and then your other injury was your newfound uh, mystery, mystery allergy, right? Yeah. So that was that was uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before. I, I ate a dinner and then got uh, got myself a good allergic reaction. Puffed up real nice, giant giant upper lip, and my eye swelled shut. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, a- but it's kind of funny. Yeah, no, it was. I looked ridiculous and, you know, nothing with my throat or anything like that. And went to a, an urgent care and got some steroids and they got, I have an EpiPen now. And, and tomorrow is actually, tomorrow morning is my appointment to, to get an allergy test done and find out what it is that I'm actually allergic to that, that caused it. And I'm hoping my guess, our biggest guess right now is, is like shellfish, like shrimp. Mm-hmm. That was part of that dinner. We eat a lot of it, but I think it might just be my body's, you know, I reacted, uh, more violently to that incident for some reason, but I think that hopefully is what it is. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping it's just a clear answer so that I can know going forward because, um, you know, it's not great to know that something out there makes me respond so terribly and, you know, not having a clear idea of what it is right now is, is kind of stressful. Um, but I think hopefully tomorrow morning's experience uh, um, will hopefully give me some answers so we'll see but yeah that was just another funny like one month later and, and now i'm having another moment of being not rushed luckily i didn't <laughs> but next day going to another another urgent care and, and trying to figure out what the heck is going on um for someone who i would say is normally fairly healthy right doesn't normally have that many uh issues but so yeah that is that is west Clove farm i mean plenty of other things <laughs> going on over here other than my ailments um but that's kind of that's kind of where we stand currently. All right, that's cool. Do I have anything else I mean, on that sheet? I think that was it, right? I think that was basically it. Uh, you, I mean, you employed, uh, not employed, but you know, you had some more child labor on the farm for a little bit. Yep. But yeah, there's some, there's some kids camps. Um, yeah, yeah, I do that every summer. You know, I get some children out here, uh, pick up rocks. Uh, yeah. If you can't get your brother, get little kids. That's right. Um, that's that's what I did. But uh, they were actually kind of helpful. You know, they pulled all my garlic and some of the other, some bigger tasks on the farm where having 30 sets of hands is helpful. Uh, they were there to do that. So that and throw uh, throw food scraps at Flossie. So, so you'd and say someone's got to uh, do it. You're, uh, you're in favor of child labor. Oh, yeah. If, if, if fields of work comes down on anything, uh, <laughs> we're pro child labor. <laughs> Uh, I would just like to clarify that it, Max only expresses one half of the opinions uh, of this podcast. But also the only half that was recorded last week, so therefore the important half. If there's anything we can be, we can be sure of. Uh, what about you? Let's go. Let's go to your world. You got we'll married. Do mine. We'll do mine real fast. I got married. 
You were there. You saw it. It happened. It was in it, Florida. It was official. Yep. We, we 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 danced. We ate. We sang. No, we didn't. We cried. No, we, didn't. we cried. We laughed. Yep. And yeah, that was that was that. I don't know anything anything about the wedding stand out. Uh, I think I made a comment before. The live band was good. Was live cool, band cool was live good. Band. Watching you salsa was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you were pretty Thank good. You. I'd never Thank seen you. you. I'd heard rumors that you were you were learning. Um, yeah, be honest. Break was, up it, the moves. was it more skillful than you anticipated? I think it was actually. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely was was more impressed than uh, I had going. But I was expecting going in. Um, it's all in the little hip movements. A lot of little well, it's hips. All in the hips, little baby. Hip all in the hips. <laughs> Which seems like a very, dance move. Very sensual. Really made for you. I feel like you really like small, the small hip and arm movement, and that—that's what salsa really was. So, yeah. uh, I feel like it was, and maybe you found your your type of uh, dance for the future. Potentially, potentially, it is. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, so that was cool. Um, I did another triathlon, so I have three triathlons this summer. I did my second one a couple of weeks ago, an Olympic distance in Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, it went okay. Uh, the bike and the run were pretty good, but the swim was really bad. It was very choppy. I could not get into any sort of rhythm and kind of panicked and bailed on the swim, like halfway through it, not even halfway through it. But then, like I said, did the other two events pretty well. Um, I have a question. And, I have a question. If yes. it was still water, do you think the distance would have been a problem? No. Um, okay. I've done the distance before. Gotcha. Um, okay. and actually, I wasn't sure if it was a stretch yeah, or not. I mean, it was a little bit of a stretch, but I have done more than the distance multiple times. I've even done more than the distance in open water um, before. So okay. I think I would have been okay. I mean, there were some other things kind of going around that race that were – that didn't add – like that basically did not result in me coming into that race with like a great mindset. Like getting to Williamsburg was an absolute shit show because we – it's it is totally my fault. Like we left kind of late the day day before. It's like a two and a half hour drive with like no traffic. Halfway, half an hour away. Uh, so we had been on the road for half an hour. I realized I did not pack my cycling shoes, so we had to turn around and drive a half hour back to the apartment to get those shoes. And at that point, like we had already sat in traffic a lot, and it was like roughly dinner time. So we're like, all right, instead of grabbing my shoes and immediately getting back on the road, we'll just stay here in Arlington and get some dinner. And then let the traffic kind of dissipate, and then we'll drive, which like, that was a decent plan, but it just meant that we got into Williamsburg quite late, like 10 o'clock or so, which meant by the time you like, unpacked and everything, um, you know, it was later than I wanted it to be. I would have much preferred like getting an early dinner and like settling into uh, early sleep. Instead, I like couldn't fall asleep until very late. So I got very little sleep the night before. Um, our Airbnb. Um, within like 10 minutes of getting to the Airbnb, I killed the biggest cockroach I've ever seen. Um, oh, nice. And they yeah. didn't advertise that. No, yeah. It's not part of the, um, the, the <laughs> listing. And because Emily was with me and I, <laughs> I got lucky actually that I saw the cockroach. I was like out in the main room and Emily was back in the bedroom unpacking stuff. So the cockroach came out near me. I was able to kill it without Emily realizing it. Um, and <laughs> Did you not tell her? No, I didn't. Not until afterwards. Um, and at one point, she came out to the main room where I was, and the cockroach, I killed it with my shoe, and I hadn't had yeah. a chance yet to pick it up and like clean it up. You left the so evidence. The shoe, well, the shoe was just in the middle of the floor, and I didn't want her to like move the shoe or anything. So I was just kind of like awkwardly standing on top of the shoe. She's like, what the heck are you doing? I was like, yeah, I'm standing on my shoe. And then she didn't like think more of it, but later she went away, and I was able to clean up the cockroach mess. Uh, you had... A dirty cockroach secret. I did have a dirty cockroach <laughs> secret, and uh, because I knew if she had seen, it, like, we'd have to like go get a hotel or something. Like yeah, that would be no. the end of it. So like, I I'm like, hey, I lived in New York for a while. Like, I'm fine with the cockroach. Like, yeah, I'll kill a cockroach. Yeah. Who cares? A cockroach not gonna bite you. Like, it's not not a big deal. Um, cockroach, so I was pigeons, fine rats. With it. You did all of it. Yeah, yeah, I was fine with it. Um, I just needed to make sure she wouldn't see it. So I we oh. I, I played my cockroach trick and it worked fine. <laughs> Uh, and there was like I got in like a weird argument with a colleague, uh, like literally like minutes before 
I like signed off for the week to uh, go to like you know go do this. So like I wasn't in a good headspace there. So I was just like not in a good headspace for this race. And then it was the choppiest water I've ever tried to swim in. I knew it was a bad sign when like the DJ announcer guy at the beginning, um, right at the beginning of the race, basically made a comment along the lines of. Uh, he was like looking out at the water and he was like, ah, it looks uh, sporty out there today. Good luck. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't want to swim in something where the announcer who does this like every weekend is, ca- is like noticeably it, it's, it's choppy enough for him to like comment on it. Yeah. And yeah, it was just bad. Like I, I'm not a great swimmer to begin with. And when you're getting blasted in the face with waves that like mess up your rhythm and you can't breathe good and. I was definitely not the only person who bailed on the swim. Like, I think there were a lot of people who were kind of in my boat. Um, yeah. So, kind of did like wish a walk a, of shit. I wish you had a boat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but then, because I was mad about how the swim went, I did like, I went pretty hard on the bike and the run, and I was pretty happy with how both of those uh, went. Um, but then, apparently, I like hurt my foot during this race because I'm currently sitting here with like a, a boot on my right foot. Because immediately after the race, like a couple of days afterward, my foot hurt. And I thought that was just normal kind of aches and pains after a race. Like, not a big deal. I thought, if anything, I had maybe like, maybe I had like rolled my ankle during the run. I kind of had a vague memory of like stepping weird at one point. Um, or I guess I had like bruised the side of my foot. Um, and because I've had plantar fasciitis before, I it was kind of, it felt kind of like that where plantar fasciitis tends to hurt a lot in the morning after you've like been sleeping and your foot's been kind of relaxed yeah. for a while and then you like you step down and start engaging those tendons and it hurts a lot but it, it actually starts to feel better the more you use it throughout the day. That was kind of what it was like because the following week I was in New York for the Ready's retreat and we walked a lot. I actually went for two runs on treadmills and I didn't like I didn't feel like I was running through pain even though in the morning my foot kind of hurt um, but by the you know the middle of the day it had like completely worked itself out. But by the end of that week, um, going into my two workouts uh, or my workouts on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was feeling bad, like worse and worse. So I like I switched from a run workout to uh, a bike and um, a swim because neither biking nor swimming hurt my foot, but like walking around hurt a lot. Um, and then finally, Sunday night, my foot hurt so bad that if you like the blanket like brushed against the top of my right foot. It was excruciating. Um, and like, I guess laid, I literally did not sleep that night. I guess laid there with pain radiating up my foot. And I was like, oh my God, I must like, maybe I have a stress fracture. Uh, like this feels like more than soft tissue damage. So Monday morning, yeah. went to urgent care, got an x-ray. Don't have, there's no, um, there's no fracture or anything. So it's just like, you know, the ligaments and tendons there are really agitated. So some sort of tendonitis. Got a bunch of anti-inflammatory pills, got an anti-inflammatory shot in my butt, uh, and a boot to wear around, and um, it's actually feeling a lot better. Um, yesterday, almost like no pain at all, just walking around, and today, no, like a little bit, I could feel it a little bit more than I could yesterday. Um, and I, I went for a bike ride yesterday indoors, and it felt totally fine. So I'm, I'm trying to be smart about like not doing too much on it and like actually letting it heal like i'm not going to run at all this week i'll probably bike and swim a little bit because i don't think that bothers it at all and i think actually with a soft tissue damage or soft tissue injury like this it's actually good to like work it out gently and not just be completely immobile um so that was interesting and disappointing and because of that and because of how the swim went i decided that for my last race of the season the one that's actually the exact same course that I was just at in Williamsburg, I'm going to downgrade to the Olympic distance again um, instead of trying to go up to the half Ironman. Because even though I feel like the bike and the run is like within striking distance of the uh, of me being able to do that longer distance, because I haven't successfully done the Olympic distance swim yet, it didn't feel right to like try to go to that next level. Quite yet. it. Yeah, decided talking with my coach, we decided like there's no rush to do the half Ironman. Like I'm not. Like I'm, I'm planning on doing this for a long time. So like, why not really dial in the Olympic distance first? Like, get a few of those under my belt and feel like it's totally a piece of cake. And yeah. since it's the exact same course as the one I just did, it'll be kind of interesting to see if I'm able to improve on my bike and run times, knowing that it's like a complete even comparison. Just the only difference being, um, you know, a few more months of of training. So I feel I feel like I'm making the prudent and smart decision. Um, even if my ego kind of wants me to like take a shot at the Ironman or the half Ironman distance. Yeah. I mean, you're not, uh, you're not 
training for a specific timeline goal. It's not like no. you need to do this race. I mean, yeah, day. like I had my original plan was like, all right, within a year of starting to train consistently, I want to be able to do a half Ironman. But that like I just kind of picked that out of thin air. And I it would yeah. be stupid for me to stick with that goal just because that's the first one that I came up with when my body and my coach are kind of telling me to do something different. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, other than training stuff and running stuff, you mentioned you had a retreat in New York for the ready. Any, any oh, yeah. big takeaways um, or things? But, I mean, obviously this was the touching base on your initiative that you've been working on, which you've kind of yeah. been occupying a lot of your time with the Dow stuff. Yeah. I've been full-time on Dow stuff for eight months at this point, And we decided at the retreat that this work, um, is going to continue kind of indefinitely. So it doesn't really make sense to keep it as an initiative, which is kind of designed for these short-term, um, bets, these short-term, um, initiatives. Uh, so we're in the process of kind of booting it up as an actual circle, uh, within the, the, uh, the ready structure, which is just, you can just kind of think of it as like a permanent team or like a, a permanent ish place where this work can live and where, um, budget can be allocated to do this work. And my role in that circle will be to kind of help get it stood up and steward it. And um, I'll probably be spending anywhere from like a third to maybe half of my time on Dow stuff. And then the remaining uh, bit of my time on other client work, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, um, which feels pretty good. I am like, I'm glad the Dow stuff is going to continue. Um, but I'm also glad to kind of like be dipping my toe back into some of our other work and um, leading some various projects that I'm in the process of, of selling right now. Gotcha. Any uh, loose timeline on when you think you'll be able to sell your new projects or is it kind of up in the air still? Um, I'm in, I mean, right now I'm currently talking to, so the one client I've been working with since January in kind of an advisory capacity that is likely to extend with like a slight bump in rate, I think. So like we're, we basically have a verbal on that. So, and the contract it actually ends on Friday. So we need to get it figured out in the next couple of days, which I'm optimistic. And then tomorrow I have a meeting with uh, a CEO and his team um, to talk about the details of a project. And again, where we kind of already have a verbal that we want to do something and the purpose of this meeting, assuming nothing has changed economically for them in the last couple of weeks is to just kind of actually put, um, actually figure out the shape of the thing that we're going to go do. So those two things will be the most of my time. And then I'm acting as an advisor for one of our other projects, which is really only like a couple hours a week for me. Um, so I'm yeah. less involved there, and but still a bit of my time. And your first client, is that just a, just Sam advising or are you working with some other coworkers? I've is had a, um, I've had a coworker working with me on it since January. Um, but she is going to roll off of it to focus more of her time on something else that is going to be more important and more impactful. So for now, it'll probably be just me. And if it grows at all, or it starts to feel a little bit too overwhelming for me to just do it, I may be looking to bring a colleague on with me. Beans. I figure at some point, and this is not a world I know anything about, we'll probably, is there, I imagine the Dow world is, has been kind of also obviously very much tied in with the whole, isn't there been a mini crash a little bit and some crypto oh, things yeah. that have I happened wouldn't in the say past mini. month? I'd say the crypto yeah. markets are getting crushed right now. Um, yeah, which uh, definitely impacts um, kind of DAOs, um, not all DAOs, but a lot of DAOs kind of their willingness to like pay for stuff and just, it's um yeah, it's a, it's a rough time in the crypto markets. And maybe if I, uh, I do like even the tiny bit of research, we can maybe talk about that a little bit. Because I mean, I have to imagine that is a thing that somewhat impacts the work that you've been doing. Um, yeah. And or could alter, like you said, DAO's willingness to hire the ready to do this kind of work if they're, you know, I don't know, if things just got a little tighter on the purse strings because of the, the, sure. the crash. Well, partial, part of the reason why I'm not spending all of my time on DAO stuff is, is sort of that. Like, we're... We're still very optimistic in the long term about like what this could become for us. But in the short mm -hmm. term, we don't need to be investing all of my time and all of my colleagues time in this. Yeah. We need to like we, we just kind of need to keep the fire burning that we've already started and like keep doing some stuff. Like We don't want to completely disappear, but we probably also don't need um, yeah, you know, to be fully focused. Risk too right much now. of your. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's inherent risk anytime I feel like with those kind of projects. Luckily, I feel like that's kind of why you guys do the initiatives that you do. But like, you know, by being able to dip your toe into the the world of DAO and, and this, you're not necessarily putting uh, all that many eggs in this basket of, you know, yeah, um, 
a much riskier uh, endeavor. Yep. But, yep. Cool beans. So. You, uh, you always talk about the food you eat on your retreats. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. We had um, I had ramen one night. We had this kind of fancy dinner uh, the first night. And then we had like a barbecue place. It actually felt kind of like a, a Kentucky dinner uh, one night, which was pretty good. Nice. Yeah. What was the fancy dinner? We tried dinner? to be – I don't remember what it was called. I'd have to look it up. We tried – like gotcha. we're – we were trying to be a little bit more cost conscious this time around on the retreat. There's a, you know, there's 45 of us or whatever. So like retreats get expensive pretty quickly and you know, we're not immune to what's going on in the economy as well. So we didn't go as all out on the dinners as we have in the past, but they were all still very good. Gotcha. I mean, that's going to happen as your company probably gets a little bit bigger. Those early days was a pretty small, <laughs> small yeah, group of you. I mean, I think, and you know, we're on the brink of a recession here, I think. So let's not be dropping, um, you know, $50,000 on a retreat. I guess. I mean, that seems like a smart move. I guess so, you know. Uh, so, anything else you uh, need to touch touch in, nah, touch base I think, on? As we, I, think, I think we did. I think I think the second time was the charm. Hopefully this time it recorded. Yeah, it felt better. Felt, it felt, felt good, I think we right? should do all of them. I think we should do all of them twice. We should always do, we should always do like a rough draft and then do the real thing. Yes, right. I think we should do it right before we do one where we're not even recording. We're just doing the mm -hmm. whole conversation, and then yeah. we say and done, and then we give ourselves like a five minute break, and then we start again. <laughs> yes, and I think we that's both how we're have the time it. for something like that. Well, with the kind of money we're making on this thing, Sam, I think Good we can point. afford to do that. Yeah, I mean, thank you point, to our sponsors this week. Uh, yeah. go ahead and throw it in there. Just... Yeah, I don't uh, tap water, <laughs> getting me through the day. People always forget that the tap the tap water council has got big money. Big. And they love supporting – people forget about tap waters. So they need to advertise it on podcasts with 10 listeners. Mm -hmm. And um, because people don't realize that's the word of mouth after that, you know, yeah. everyone's going to be talking about tap who's water. Who's sponsoring you today? Um, um, I'm going to say it's all Australian shepherds because right now mozzarella, okay. uh, Kira's pup, is sitting next to me. You probably hear him yeah. panting back there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's kind of, he's a loud panter. So this one's, just, this one's just sponsored by all Australian shepherds. Cool. All and, right. Well, and good boy. You. And good boys in general. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to Tap Water, <laughs> the Tap Water Council, and all Australian Shepherds uh, for for your support. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, man. Later. See ya.